Before we start today's podcast, a quick heads up on Sherlock's VIP club. From restaurants, bars and hotels to beauty, wellness and shopping, Sherlock partners with some of London's best destinations and hottest brands to bring its VIPs exclusive monthly offers. So why not sign up? It'll cost you just £5 a month or £50 for the year. Use your card once or twice and you'll have made that amount back in no time. For more information, visit sherlocksvip.com. Welcome to the Sherlux Highlights podcast with me, Georgie Corridge-Cole. This week, I'm joined by Charlotte Collins, Tor Cardona and Rosie Cherrington. Hi, ladies. Hello. Hi. Anyone been watching anything on TV? I saw Mamma Mia on the weekend. Did you? Really my mum's desperate to go with me. She's yeah. Like, Can we find a date? Um, I with my mum's Yeah, you must go. You really? must go. I was quite kind of sceptical when the opening scene happened and I was like, oh my God, kill me now. This is going to be unbearably <laughs> cringe. But it was actually really good. And I didn't realise Richard Curtis has been involved in the screenplay. So the story's actually really good. I know it's had a lot of stick and it is pretty unbelievable storyline and quite corny, but it's really good. And the new songs are so good. When you say new catchy. songs... So they've been done with two of the guys from ABBA. Oh, they're genuinely yeah, new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I see. And, and I was like, which ABBA songs were actually left? Because I thought they yeah, used them all. There were loads. I won't ruin it for you, but there are loads. There what? And did you enjoy Mamma Mia, the original? I did. I actually think this is better. Okay, well, I'm yeah, glad you didn't I'm... say worse because I was no, not a fan no, no. of Oh, I love the first one. I think I made a go, though. I don't know yeah. why. I feel like for it. You're like, it's a real slick production. It all looks nice. The Greek island is amazing. I think you'll enjoy it. Okay. I have a question though. Yeah. Where did Cher come from? Why she popped up? Who is she? <laughs> they killed off Meryl Streep, right? No, so no, no, no. Replace no, no. her <laughs> Yeah, but isn't like they killed off Meryl Streep, so they needed another big name star. Street. They obviously Was it Meryl Streep not in it? No, she dies. Yeah, but talk, that's <laughs> publicised. That's okay. I yeah, yeah. Well, I, I didn't actually know that. Basically, Cher is Meryl Streep's mum, and she's like a big singer who lives in Vegas. She's in it for like 10 minutes, but it's brilliant. She sings Fernando. <laughs> just to really camp it out a little bit yeah. more. Anything else? I watched, I was saying yesterday, it was really nice because the weather cooled down, so I actually got to sit on the sofa and watch some TV without, you know, dying in the heat. And I watched Ingrid Goes West, which is a film, I think we actually wrote a standalone piece about it earlier in the year. And it's quite kind of art housey, but it's with Aubrey Plaza, who people might know from Parks and Recreation, and Elizabeth Olsen, who's the younger sister of the Olsen twins. And it's about a girl who becomes really obsessed with this girl who's massive on Instagram and basically moves to LA to track her down to befriend her and it's about kind of how that goes awry. It's a really funny and interesting look at how the kind of Instagram generation has been affected by social media and I think everyone here could relate to it. Well I, on a very different note, watched the Nadal Federer documentary which is on BBC iPlayer and if you're at all interested in tennis, I actually quite love a sporting documentary. I loved the James Cracknell documentaries back in the day and I love the Lance Armstrong documentary I've talked about before I mean it's amazing but yeah there's one about Nadal and Federer and I don't know if you remember you probably don't showing my age the 2008 Wimbledon final between them and it was the first well, I'm not going to say who won it because it might spoil it <laughs> but it, they say it was one of the best finals there's ever been at Wimbledon and it's just all about the two of them and you watch it and realise that we're actually I think really fortunate to be alive in this era of tennis with such greats and just their different styles of tennis and the respect they have for each other and if you are at all interested in tennis I would say it's completely gripping have so you good. listened to um, Billie Jean King's Desert Island Discs it's really really good I've she offers some very sage really advice good. Mm. Yeah, I must 
us. Let's move on. Let's talk about the most Instagrammable places in London. Because <coughs> when it comes to gram-worthy drinking and dining, apparently few cities do it better than London. That's it. If you're looking to up your Instagram game, then we rounded up 12 of the most photogenic spots in the capital. They include places like Annabelle's, Restaurant Hours, Sketch. I mean, to me, the running theme here is a good loo. <laughs> you know, it seems to be that if you're going to so open true, so a hit true. restaurant in London right now, you just got to, like, interior design the crap out of the loo. <laughs> well, I have to concur, I did actually take a selfie in the restaurant hours toilets last week. Quite a lot <laughs> they're of good, aren't they? It did feel a bit basic, but <laughs> it was a great photo. I have to say, though, since visiting quite a few of these places, my friends have started to get really mad at me. One of them has started calling herself my Instagram husband. <laughs> and I basically have let a lot of people's food go cold whilst Instagramming things. Oh, we were speaking about this earlier, Charlotte, and you feel my friend's pain. Definitely. <laughs> Would you make your friends go somewhere specific because it was Instagrammable? I mean, yes. I'm not gonna lie, yes. Although you're that person, but I am that, that person. I am, <laughs> I am that person. I can't take it back, I've come too far down You the do road. have a very good Instagram though, I mean, it is okay. It's not the best, <laughs> could get better if more people will come with me. But I mean, obviously I'm not gonna go to a terrible restaurant if the food is awful, but if it happens that the food is nice and it looks good, the photo. I think what we're ultimately saying is we like going to places that look cool so we're really talking about interior design here and I would say I am totally drawn to somewhere that looks cool. If it looks cool you're going to take a picture of it in this day and age aren't you? That doesn't mean you're going somewhere because it's Instagrammable. I just like being in nice places. Yeah. I do think there's like a hotspot element to this though as well like Born in Hollingsworth is on this list. I agree it's beautiful but I probably wouldn't Instagram it now because it's, it's, a, bit it's, done, bit, it's yeah. a bit done. Annabelle's though I mean I Instagram the shit out of that so yeah. Yeah. Having said that, I did go to Isabel's for dinner. Isabel's is beautiful. Which I thought was mm. so overpriced. I would definitely that not bar. go back there. I mean, it is so Instagrammable. And I say, <laughs> if you really are into amazing interiors, I would say it is worth going and having a look yeah. if you can afford to. Or and the loos yeah. are insane. That's so cool. I mean, they are insane. Yeah. I think the tip is, wait till you've gone to post the photo. Because that is the sign of someone who's taken it too far. It's when you're sitting there got your photo and then instead of talking to the person the two people will sit there and edit their photos and post them i did see a lot of people doing that in restaurants yeah, not okay. well if you don't fancy traipsing around looking for instagrammable restaurants then perhaps you could just stay at home and get pants drunk instead <laughs> because apparently there's nothing any of us want to do more than sit at home in our undies sip a glass of sauvignon blanc bleh, hate sauvignon blanc i wonder why that was <laughs> binge on Netflix, here we call it a hobby. In Finland, it's a wellness philosophy. I can say that sitting in my underwear and drinking wine is not something I've ever done on a Friday night in front of Netflix. <laughs> I think because it's been so hot recently. I mean, Have my you done it? And not specifically you that. I didn't, I've never heard of pants drunk before, but yeah, maybe. Oh. Maybe I'm a secret pants drunker. It's so hot. Would it's you ever sit there? there in your sitting room in your underwear? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. it's so hot. No, I don't regularly but like in this heat absolutely in this heat not in like winter Rosie yeah I've done this all the time especially when I used to live by myself but now I'll put on like a slip I'm not just gonna <laughs> wear my sexy pants. slip a sexy no, slip I mean I'd put on like some little shorts and a cami or something but my under what if the doorbell went my flat is small and my bedroom bathroom kind of kitchen situation is all very close so if I'm like got some fake tan on or I've just had a shower I often walk around yeah like just start cooking and naked or... would you yeah I wouldn't cook naked. And would, would you 
and your boyfriend sit there together in your undies? No, no, okay, no. That's Pants Drunk. Well, well, apparently in Finland, it's all the rage. Uh, The Pants Drunk method also includes binging on Netflix. Scrolling mindlessly on your phone, sweet and salty snacks, safer time, and blocking all work communications. I just want to know why there's a book about it because I feel like I've understood it in like you know. Three, Do you think it's an April seconds. Fool? Do you remember there was a book? That came oh my god, the Who Got Guide to Sex. Do you remember? Oh my god. And George was like, "Do a story, do a story." Do a story. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a joke. It was a joke. Yeah. What were the What were the tips? They were hilarious. It was like, like drip wax on your significant other, like and just sitting like silly pictures, like like candles, play like night, music that sounds like a storm. It was. It was like about the atmosphere because it's Who Got Sex. Yeah. So it was like creating a crazy light a candle is not really the most silly tip is it but it was like light a hundred <laughs> it was like taking everything to the extreme it was a joke this is anyway not only is it the summer of the heat wave it's also the summer of love quite literally for some of our favorite celebrities ariana grande and her snl boyfriend pete davidson i have no idea who that is Got engaged after less than a month together. And just recently, Justin Bieber confirmed his whirlwind engagement to model Hayley Baldwin. God, their children, they will be beautiful if they get that far. Obviously, there's been lots of criticism about speedy engagement. So it begs the question, how soon is too soon to get engaged? Charlotte's <laughs> engagee. It's me. How long have you been together? Well, we've been together eight years, so probably not too soon. I think it was probably just about right. He was on his last morning. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. No, I found it really interesting that the majority of people wait around 4.9 years to get married from when they get together. You know, that means you've been together for like, what, at least three and a half years before you get married. Not the average celebrity, but, you know. I just think it probably comes down to age, right? I so agree. Age is Yeah, Yeah. definitely. I think a lot of people, I met my husband when I was 19. I got married when I I was 25, well, I was almost 26. But I would say we knew pretty quickly. But I was 19, mm. 20 when I met him. I was definitely going to get married then. I'm yeah. sure if I'd have met him later in life, yeah. we'd have done it quicker. And I think the older I get, I mean, I'm 37, and I've got friends who have got married in their 30s way more quickly. And you do just know. I guess when you meet someone, you're meeting them with a different mindset, aren't you? You're thinking, mm. this isn't a one-night stand. I'm looking mm. for, like, a life partner. It's and like Laura and Paul, yeah. isn't it? Just like Laura and Paul. <laughs> Who are Laura and Paul? Love, love Island. Island. Yeah, I, I love, love I actually oh. really love Laura and Paul. I think it's so not real. I think he's so boring. So boring. Oh, I, I like her. She's lovely. So, Tor, you've been with your boyfriend for how long? Six and a half years. And you are? Aged. Yeah. 29. See <laughs> Waiting patiently. If you're listening, <laughs> he knows. Don't worry, he knows. And you're leaving us, and I was just hoping that we'd have another oh, engagee in the show. I know. Tours lived so vicariously through the preliminary stages of my engagement, and I now know. she's leaving me. Yeah, so my sister just got married, so it's not going to happen anytime soon, and we're not in a rush. We're going to buy a house and we have other priorities, so we'll see. I think there's so much chat, like, when are you going to get married? You know, we all know my feelings on that question. Yeah. It's more like, and also what if you just don't, like, as in, yeah, as you say. We obviously do, I want to, and yeah, it will happen. But if one more person says, when are you going to get engaged? <gasps> oh, God, sorry, I didn't. Oh, my God, no, 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 not like in that context, but like, I'm just interested you know, also in my point was I need you so well, it's so obvious, Exactly, we will in time, but yeah. And also, I think the point is that millennials now do just have different priorities, or young people now, so, you know. Well, millennials are getting engaged are getting married less and less exactly yeah, exactly that's a 
The stats are down. Rosie, do you um, have any opinions on how quickly you should or shouldn't get engaged? I think the average time sounds like quite a good time. But again, it depends on age. I think if I had married someone or got engaged to someone that I was dating like 10 years ago, I'm a completely different person now. So I think either you have to be together mm. for a long time when you're younger, or, I mean, now I think if I met the right person, I'm pretty much sure that I'd hopefully stay relatively mm. similar. Mm. And that they would too. So I reckon, mm. yeah, when you get a bit older. That's such a good point because so you do change so much. But also, you know, from 20 to 30. But you, you either are, change, but you probably change from 30 to 40 as well. Like some, I think they say you change, they change the most. The most. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you either change with someone or you both kind of go in, different go in completely different yeah, directions. Really. Yeah, I know so many people who kind of met at sixth formal uni and kind of were together six, seven years yeah. and then, or even more, and then broke up because yeah. you just changed, don't you? You just changed such formative years. Yeah. The other point that I thought was relevant and worth mentioning was that of course some couples meet as strangers whilst others might have known each other for a really long time already. I know someone who split up from a really long-term relationship and has got together with someone who she already knew and it's moved really quickly mm. and I think that's really nice because you kind of you know things that they do and cut out the middleman. This piece also said that those dating one or two years had a 20% lower chance of divorcing and that this dropped further still to 50% when a couple had been dating three or more years. So I guess if you want to be really sure, you don't always have that luxury yes. of time. If you're somebody who wants to get married before they have children, then you know you might not have three years to wait. I think it's all about living together. Yeah, personally. I do too. Mm. So much more important. My parents did not live together and uh, it didn't last all that long. Um, so my dad, I remember he was really adamant and I thought he was going to be a real traditionalist but literally back when I was a teenager he used to say to me you have one rule and you will live together with someone. I think that's very good advice. How long were you living together before he proposed? We lived together for just over two years. Okay so you had a nice amount of time to really get to know all the thoughts. That was my limit when we moved in I remember his mother said to me just be careful you know he's got to do the honourable thing. I remember my mum saying my mum wasn't pushy about it at all but she said you just need to make sure that you're not being a wife and not a wife i.e. yes they shouldn't expect you to mm. differentiate god mm. not that i do all that stuff anyway so <laughs> i still don't cook him supper my mum's friends always come around my mum's got this one friend she's like but who cooks Jonesy's supper <laughs> she can't get over the fact that i don't have supper on That's the table amazing. when he gets home from work i'm like who cooks my supper <laughs> yeah. far more important it's like the world has changed <laughs> well tour we will be waiting for news <laughs> i'm sure it won't be long so funny though there's such an etiquette thing though isn't there around siblings and waiting Exactly, exactly. And you can imagine at the wedding, like every bloody so uncle. So, you, are you guys next? Oh, I honestly poor felt like. You. I know, poor Tim, I felt so pleased. Yeah, yeah, him. Like, yeah. Ben really yeah. nearly got in a fight with someone at a wedding earlier this year. Really? Yeah. Someone was really like winding him up. Like, he doesn't get riled up easily, but like, it's a really sensitive subject. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, with more and more couples ditching age old traditions like not getting married. Wedding speeches are no longer the reserve of the groom, best man and father of the bride. This is something we've talked about before. Tor, would you do a speech when you get married? <laughs> when I get married. When Tim really, you know, gets off the can and asks you to marry him. Um, uh, would you do a speech? I would not do a speech. But having read this piece, there were some really good tips that made me think if I did, you know, it's just quite a nice, like, structured like, ideas. Yeah, I'm a real traditionalist and that idea is not for me. But I think it's a cool thing to do. Like, my mm. friend got married back in June and she gave a speech and it was cool. I just, it cringes me out a bit, if I'm mm. really honest. It's something not right about I it. I sort of regret it, but I also think people get bored of it. I love the idea. Not doing it. You yeah. love the idea, but, like, it has to be executed, like, so well, I think, yeah. for it to come off. Rosie? Well. 
I don't think I'd want to do one at my own wedding purely because I kind of want to get drunk and I think I'd mess it up by that point in the day. Oh, shit, that's quite a good point. But I really like the idea of maid of honor speeches and bridesmaid speeches. I'm going to give my first maid of honor speech at my friend's wedding next year. I'm very excited because I don't think, why should the guy's best man get to have all the fun and make all the jokes? I mean, it's not going to be purely jokey, but um, a friend of mine had a wedding a couple of years ago and loads of people made speeches. And for me, that was actually my favorite part of the whole wedding. Mm. It was just so nice to kind of hear all these funny stories and really touching things. All the speeches were short, which is one of the tips in this. Don't let it drag on. I think though, I don't know how I feel about a girl having the shit ripped out of her. You know, I think oh, with a like guy that. it's different and maybe that's just me being a traditionalist and maybe I need to kind of progress in my views. But I think there's something quite unfeminine about a girl, you know, having this like I just I think they would real yeah. horrible jokes. Oh, I don't it know. Wasn't like that. It, with guys are just horrible to each other. You know, the stuff that guys say to each other and it's like water off a duck's back. I think as women, we're much more sensitive. Like, I think it's, you have to be really careful. I was about to say, I think more naturally though, like if I were to make a speech about one of my best friends, yes, it would you just wouldn't be, be out to yeah, humiliate her. Exactly. Whereas guys are quite often right. out to humiliate the other. Exactly. Charlotte, would you be doing a speech? Oh, yes, I will. <laughs> First of all, because I totally get the tradition thing, but at the same time, you know, it's not really kind of natural for me to sit there while Ben speaks and just kind of take it like there's got to be a rebuttal somewhere and also I really he's not going to be taking the piss out of you oh he will do you think really definitely (laughs) in a nice way definitely oh yeah 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 I didn't want it to be all that wouldn't be asked for him to be all Oh, no, no, mine wasn't. My husband said a couple of mm. things. But they weren't like I don't expect it to be wasn't a roast. cheesy, but it was <laughs> no, yeah. but you know, I think definitely there's you know, there's a bit of banter and I think yeah, it's banter, nice, and yeah. it kind of creates quite a yeah. nice vibe at the wedding. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to doing that. We'll use these tips. I will. Anyway, I didn't think these tips were particularly specific to a woman doing a speech. I think actually they apply to everybody really. Have a structure, choose your anecdotes wisely, make the start and the finish count, and as you said, yeah. Remember, less is more. Know what you're good at. And actually, if you're crap at public speaking, then don't do it. From a less cheery subject, originating in a pub in Lincolnshire in 2016, Ask for Angela is a campaign designed to reduce sexual abuse on nights out. Since 2016, it's gone on to receive nationwide attention and has been adopted by multiple bars and clubs across the world. In the age of hashtag MeToo, it's more essential than ever. How exactly does this work? If you're out on a night out and you're getting weird vibes from the guy, the idea is you go up to the bar and you say, is Angela here? Yeah, and Um, they are pre-equipped with information that means that you're feeling uncomfortable or you're in danger, right? Yeah, and they discreetly either order you a cab or like usher you to one side. And I think it's just because a lot of women would probably feel quite uncomfortable. I mean, I know I would if I was on a first date with someone, especially if you'd met them from the internet and maybe they weren't who they said they were or they were a bit weird. I think if you went up to most bar staff, you probably would expect them to laugh at you. Really, that would be my first reaction. Like, they could probably be like, who's this crazy girl trying to make a scene? But I think it's really great that it kind of says, we're equipped to deal with this. You know, we're going to take you seriously and we will help you get out of there without really any questions. Because imagine if they started talking to you back and caused an even bigger scene. Also, presumably you don't have to be on a date with that person. It could just be anyone making you feel really uncomfortable that you just want to get out of the situation, right? Yeah. Mm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think great that the hospitality industry are encouraged to look out for women who might might be in vulnerable situations or that women should be encouraged to approach them. I think it's a bit weird that we need to ask for Angela because what if they don't know who's Angela? I mean, I just get on with it and just... But not everyone's that confident, I guess, and knowing this is like just a kind of a blanket term... 
that will I don't know I think it's the (laughs) I think it's the equivalent of like let's say you were on a train platform and you saw a girl who was getting harassed in in whatever way by people I imagine that you then go up to that girl and you're like oh my god Kate how are you haven't seen you for ages right that's kind of like the unspoken rule that's what you do right you don't go can I help you you're just kind of there pretending to be a friend I feel like it's the same thing but just in a different situation so it's basically you're kind of creating a dialogue where you're explaining that you're in trouble without having to vocalize that so therefore not creating a bigger scene mm. i mean maybe i'm stressing hers i just feel like it's like a code name but we all know the code i know what you mean so well let's not tell any boys about it yeah. really <laughs> anyway. them. the idea that people need to feel they can ask for help is a pretty crucial message isn't it 63 percent of women said that they'd been on the receiving end of sexual harassment on the night out that's a pretty staggering percentage While you might not count yourself as a smoker, if you're partial to lighting up on a social occasion, it's well worth knowing the facts. Especially when summer events and long evenings outside can mean cravings are at their peak. From how occasional smoking affects the body to a surprising fact about addiction, we wrote a piece on the truth about social smoking. What is this surprising fact about addiction, Rosie? That you can be addicted to smoking without being addicted to nicotine, which I thought was quite interesting. Because you think, well, you know, smokers who are like, I need my cigarette, it's because their body needs nicotine. But actually, whenever you have a drink or whenever go out in the evening with a group of people and you have a craving to smoke it's actually a form of addiction because your brain has kind of wired itself to associate this situation i.e maybe feeling a bit tipsy or being around certain people with the kind of pleasure sensation of a cigarette and so it is a form of addiction still surely that's the same as alcohol though like on a friday night at the minute i leave here like i, I literally want the drink so yeah. badly but, but no one's cool. denying that alcohol is an addiction <laughs> <laughs> no no i'm just saying yeah like, yeah definitely it's yes, the same thing definitely. so it's being psychologically addicted rather than physically addicted that's so interesting that's really interesting i thought that it was horrifying that this study says even people who average less than one cigarette per day over their entire lives were 64 percent more likely to die early than people who'd never smoked Mode. That's horrible. Wow, that is yeah. That's still a cigarette a day, though. Yeah, but average. That's out. still a smoker, I would say. Someone who smokes one cigarette a day, I'd say, is a smoker. I have to say, I used to smoke. I don't anymore, but I don't like it anymore. But it's just sometimes feels yeah. quite fun, which sounds terrible. And I'm not saying that's okay, by the way. But I do just yeah. I don't enjoy mm. it, and I have one, and I have like half, and I'm like, like gross, and I put it out, and that's it, and it's done. But in the moment, it's just like feels fun. It does say here that even one would affect your workout, and it's so true. Like if I have a casual sleep on a night out, then everyone doing a workout the next day, you can really feel it, yeah. which yeah. it does not bode well for the summer board. Yeah, no, not cool. well. It can still shorten your life, cause cancer, damage your lungs, and affect the way you look. It said, and I like this, it finished with how to keep your social smoking in check. And it said, start a tally. Note the situations where you smoke and remember closet smoking counts, uh, obviously. Anyway, and I just <laughs> thought that starting a tally was quite a good thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it's, oh God, I might have one a month. I'm not going to, you know, have sleepless nights over that. But if it does start to creep up, then I think you've, you kind of kind of keep checking it. I did once hit, I can't remember if it was Cameron Diaz or Gwyneth Paltrow, but both of whom are like shining beacons of health. One of them did say they have one cigarette. Gwyneth. A week with a glass Gwyneth. of red organic red wine. There yep. you go. One <laughs> <a week. laughs> organic red wine. 
and a bag. I do sometimes think though, you know, I, God, I know it is so bad for you, but we all do a lot of things that are bad for you. So, you know, life's so too short true. to worry about one second and a night out. I liked how on the tally part it says, take a note of how many cigarettes you borrow from other people. Because I borrow? have had do that. Do you say borrow? Well, now people steal. offer to give you like 50p because they're so expensive. <laughs> but the amount of people who are like, I've quit, I've quit, but can I just have one of yours? Like, <laughs> I'm like, this yeah, that is really just nice. buy a pack. How much is a pack of cigarettes now? Like nearly 12 quid. 12 quid for 20? Yeah, it's They don't sell 10 pounds anymore. Yeah. Oh, I'm so out of it. It's crazy. Unless you're in Europe, it's like four euros. Well, and also I think the etiquette on sharing and stealing cigarettes is really different in the UK to Europe. Like, it's really normal. Like, I lived in Paris. It's really normal for people just to come up and say, can I have a cigarette? And that's just like cultural, but in the UK, that's just like a big fat no. Is there a pound each? No. Uh-huh. no. Come with your pound. <laughs> Come with your pound, I would say. Or just don't do it at all. That'd be much better. We wrote a piece on improving your digestion while traveling. Now, I know last week you talked about healthy snacks on the plane. I know to go to Lou, if I want to know what healthy <laughs> snacks to take on the plane. I definitely feel that my digestion takes a bit of a hit on the plane, actually. I don't know what it is. I think it's because you're sad. But I and feel like, it's like yeah. squash. I, I won't go into the inner workings of my <laughs> digestion, but I would definitely say I don't come out on top once I've been on a long flight. What about actually going on holiday? I'm also from a family of women who kind of shut down when we go on holiday. We're all the same. and I don't know what it is, but it just seems to come to a bit of a grinding halt um does anyone share those issues or is this a step too far in what you're wanting um, to I think on a if that is your problem take probiotics i think i that, do now yeah. actually i have got better and actually my having quit diet coke i have definitely mm-hmm. got better i'm drinking a lot more water i was about to say it's water, a water thing. hydration definitely definitely a good thing when i go on holiday i drink gallons and gallons and gallons yeah. and gallons now, yeah and it, it does help it does how about the rest of you digestion holiday i'm the exact same and the only thing i found is just drinking more water because you can get so dehydrated and then obviously that makes it worse but even following all the tips i think it's just being in a different bathroom and being in a different setting and different routine different different routine it's just really Really? all of my stomach up yeah Yeah. for sure 100 yeah i I literally go away and it just stops the minute i get back home i'm fine again Mm. yeah i have two tips of things to buy from a pharmacy if you have one bloating on planes and two trouble going to the toilet the first one okay this sounds bad but bear with me here because i read about this (laughs) you can buy these anti-flatulence things and it's not that you have flatulence basically when you're on a plane all the air in your body expands by i think it's up to 30 percent which is why crisp packets explode and stuff like that so if you go on a plane and your stomach literally like swells up which is what was happening to me and i was like i have to go in a bikini in a few hours what do i do before you go on the plane for a few hours, when you're on the plane, when you come off the plane, take these Rennie tablets. I think they're called Windies. So I read this girl said to take them. And basically it breaks you're just down the gas in your... Farting loads. No, like it kind of just like, I, don't, I can't explain it. Dissipates it. It, it, it just dissipates it and breaks it down because it's for trapped ah. gas. So it kind of just like, I don't know where the hell it goes. It kind of feel quite flat. Oh yeah, I literally came off the plane had a flat stomach I was like this is a miracle genuinely try it if you have that problem secondly something called Dolco Ease which is not a laxative but it's a stool softener and you can buy it over the counter if you get really bunged up on holiday obviously you don't want to take a laxative Mm. because you can't plan for that 
But no, and, and it's, you know, you do not want to get into the habit of taking laxatives. No. So these are just a stool softener and it helps kind of bring water into your bowel. So if you have been dehydrated or you can't go to the toilet, if you take this for a couple of days, it just makes everything normal. Mm. And I would really recommend that. And Diorolite well, too. Yeah, I travel with so much Diorolite. You love Diorolite. absolutely oh, love it. Yeah. What do you love about it? I think it's just water sometimes isn't enough to hydrate you. And even if you have got an upset tummy or not, even after the beach or whatever, it's really good to hydrate. So good. Well, my tips are definitely, and I have got better, water, 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 loads of fruit, not eating too much bread, tempting when you're on holiday, and actually doing exercise. That Moving your body. really sure. help. Just lying horizontal on a sunbed. I mean, that those days are long gone with three children on holiday. <laughs> but definitely, definitely helps. And as you said, probiotics. From being healthy on holiday to getting into shape before your holiday. Ideally, you'd have six to 12 weeks, according to Louise Parker, to make radical changes to your body. But she also said that 10 days is enough. If you drink lots of water, if you reduce your fruit intake, base your meals around protein and veggies and reduce your salt intake. I'm a big believer in kind of two weeks before you go on holiday, really look after your diet and go to the gym because it's so worth going away feeling good and almost like putting yourself ahead of the game. So if you do put a few pounds on holiday, you're kind of back to where you started when you get back. Yeah. I loved all these tips. I wrote this piece. Really interesting. Cutting out salt is a really good one. Really simple. But salt can obviously make you bloat. I think for every gram or something of salt you eat, you cling on to like 500 milliliters of water. So Is that true? It's, it's something like that. So cut out like wow. your salt, soy sauce, all those kind of added salt and you'll notice a massive difference. I also think even if you have like the worst willpower in the world, 10 days before your holiday, you can kick your bum into gear. For sure. Like, you know, this is a really attainable goal. Just and cut the booze. Cut the booze. Yeah, booze. That's, yeah you, cut the booze. That's just such an obvious one. You know, it? you can run through the tips, but just cut the crap and do some exercise, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. yeah. And it said, which I'm terrible at, but stop doing cardio, do hit instead. Be consistent, work out on an empty stomach. That's also what Louise Parker said. Mm, I often I'm that. a big advocate yeah. of that as well. I just find I, I have a much more efficient workout if I've eaten a bit of food. And everyone is so different. If you are looking to lose fat, like studies have shown that it is beneficial to work out in an empty stomach. But if you have more energy, then that's how you should work out. But all in all, I was made in the kitchen, which we always bang yeah. on about. So that's really... Sad, isn't it? You obviously say you should cut the crap. It's like caffeine, refined sugars, alcohol and processed foods. I mean, again, just got to get it done, haven't you? Yeah. But deep. stick with it and it does work. Dig deep, I like that. Let's talk about cellulite, because with up to 90% of women affected by cellulite at some point in their lives, it's a universal problem that doesn't discriminate no matter your size. But with brands and salons offering an increasing array of at-home in-salon treatments, can we actually do anything to improve the appearance of cellulite? First of all, what exactly is cellulite at all? So cellulite is essentially congestion in your fat cells. It can be in your bum, your thighs, back of the arms... And it has that kind of bumpy orange peely appearance because the skin has been tethered down by vertical fibrous strands, rather like buttons in a cushion, hence the uneven look. And as far as I'm aware, none of these products in a bottle do anything. Yeah, I, I agree. To fight cellulite. I think it's literally money for all drapes. I think there are products in beauty that are worth the money. Anything with cellulite busting on them is just daylight robbery. It says it's down to a level of estrogen, which I really want to inquire about more because I want to know, let's say we're on like a really estrogen heavy pill, does that make your cellulite significantly worse? Probably mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. Maybe and that's why I have horrible cellulite. And I think <laughs> body brushing is the best thing I've ever found for my cellulite. 
I think it makes a massive difference. I think it's all to do with circulation. Like when I was doing my marathon training, my cellulite was amazing. It was like pretty much went. Interesting. Yeah. And smoking. It says here that smoking is one of the worst habits for cellulite because it breaks down collagen production. It does say that regular exercise, as you said, tool can help reduce the amount of fat around the thighs. Try to drink at least two litres of water a day. Make an effort to eat a balanced diet with plenty of lean meat, vitamin C and omega-3s. Ultimately though... I think if you're going to get it, you're going to get it, right? Mm. Just don't waste your money on a cream that's £100 because it really will not do anything. Dr Benji Dillon did say that there is one treatment that is thought to be the most effective. You mentioned it, Charlotte. It's called Cell Fina. It's a semi-invasive therapy that treats the primary structural cause of cellulite. Apparently the results can last for two years, but it's four grand. I've seen images and I've heard mixed things on this. So basically, it's a, quite an extreme treatment. It cuts the fibrous bands, basically, so that the fat can kind of lay smooth. I've had Ooh. some stories from beauty editors where they've said, this is incredible. Like, I have, they're in their 40s and they're like, this is the first time I've had smooth thighs in my life. I think you have to have quite a bad degree of cellulite to have it in the first place as it's quite an intense treatment. Other people have said it made their cellulite worse mm -hmm. and that it damaged their legs. I don't think it's something that you should take lightly as a treatment. Like no. Tora said, body brushing, get on it. Yeah. From cellulite to lashes and a slightly less invasive treatment, I recently had an LVL lashes treatment, which stands for, Rosie, I'm having trouble with this. What does it stand <laughs> Length, for? Length, volume and lift. Okay. Well, I had fake lashes for about three years and I loved it. But it got to a point that because I never was letting my own lashes grow long enough, they were falling out so quickly. So when I first, for the first however long, year or whatever it was, they would last for nearly three weeks. And sort of three years down the line, literally within the first week, loads of them had fallen out. Oh so it was just really bad value for money. And I used to have to lie on the bed for an hour and a half and I just couldn't cope with it. So I stopped and my lashes did fully repair. And I hadn't done anything for ages. Anyway, I decided to try LVL lashes before my holiday. And I was a bit sceptical as to, you know, would you really see a difference? I'm not someone who curls my lashes, but obviously makeup artists always swear by it. Do you tint your lashes usually? Sometimes. Sometimes. I really like tinted lashes, but again, it's just finding the time to get them mm. done. But I love the results. Apparently they use the same product that they use to perm hair. Yeah, it's a bit of perm and a tint, essentially. Yeah, and I would really recommend it, actually, like for a special occasion. She did say that you should only really have two treatments back to back. She said it lasts about three weeks. Again, I was quite skeptical. I had mine done a good couple of weeks ago. My lashes are still really pumped. As in, they look like they've been curled. I'd really recommend it. I feel like I'm really staring at your eyelashes now. They do look very long. When you first got them done, I was they like, just I look, thought you had fake lashes. When I put my mascara in the morning, they're just more pointing mm. out yeah. as if they've been curled. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good idea. Because I love the look of false lashes as well. Oh, like, so it changes my face. You know? Yeah, mm. it's so different with them. When you get first get got both. them, I thought you had falsies on. I thought you'd got mm. the lashes. I think they're really good. She did say you can have two treatments back to back. And then you should have a 12-week break. So if you love it, it's not like it's something you can keep okay, having forever. Yeah. So. But, but good for a holiday, holiday good special occasion. Exactly. Yeah. Be sure to get patch test though. I'm so gutted. I've been having, not recently, but fake lashes on quite a while. I really wanted to try the LBL. Went in, they were like, you need 24-hour patch test. I was like, no, it's fine. I've had like loads of stuff done before. They, were, they insisted and thank God they did because one side was fine. I think it was the tint side was okay, but the perm side, I got a huge red like hives all oh. over my neck. And they were like, yep, see, that's why we didn't want to put it on your eye. 
eye. So wow. get a patch. Oh, I'm always so blasé wow. about patches. Yeah, yeah. yeah, same. Because that'll teach me. Yeah. Oh, Before we get to the end of this week's podcast, a bit of fashion chat. Now, leopard print has pretty much achieved neutral status. It's up there with black and white as a look that goes with everything. And this summer, I mean, we've seen it more than ever. How does everyone feel about leopard print? Charlotte, are you a fan? I've always been so cautious of animal prints because I'm blonde. I feel like you can get away with it less easily. There's something like, I know Astrid, who's brunette, always rocks a leopard print coat so well in winter. And I've always just been a little bit more scared of it. But actually, it's so mainstream now that I feel it's it's harder to get wrong, almost. And I feel like brands like Gani, Rosie, you've got that amazing Gani dress, have kind of subverted all the things that should have been tacky about, like leopard print with like a silky fabric and wrap dresses, everything that kind of should have been so wrong about it. They've taken and they've made it cool, so therefore it's now acceptable. Mm, I agree. I always used to stay away from it. I've been bleached blonde for quite a long time, and I remember my mum just used to be like, Pat Butcher to me (laughs) when I was in college before. But it's definitely really cool now. I think my number one rule is keep everything else not too done. So if I'm wearing the leopard print dress, I won't wear heels. But a leopard print skirt from Gani too. And that gives you a bit more leeway because if you team it with a really simple top, you can kind of do beachy waves, but I definitely steer it clear of a blow dry with it. And then when I'm wearing the dress or leopard print up top, I'll kind of put my hair in like a chignon or an updo. So I wear quite a lot of makeup, so it can look a bit much, but I try and turn it down. I think that's the key, isn't it though, is not being too done with leopard mm-hmm. print. I think you need to just kind of rock it yeah. and add a bit of leather, yeah, or a smoky eye or messy hair or some like boyfriend jeans. I think if everything's too tight and pulled mm. together, it's a bit wag, isn't it? Also, sometimes there are trends that, you know, they are a bit tacky, but they come and go. So, you know, I'm stocking up on Zara zebra print, or whatever it is at the moment, but I won't be buying it expensively because once it's gone, I know it's not a look that ultimately really suits me. So just do it in that. But I have got leopard print pieces. I've got a leopard print, like a really loose fitting cami that I have literally had for 10 years and I still wear it. I've got like a silk blouse that Again, it's quite oversized. It doesn't go away. So actually, there is an argument that... Worth hanging on to. And also oversized, that's a really good point. It's not about tight leopard print. Oh, no. (laughs) Never, never, never. And not a pencil skirt. Mm. Charlotte, this one might not be for you, (laughs) because we know where you stand on hats at events. In fact, one viewer on YouTube was outraged that as fashion editor, you didn't have a love of hats. Um, I am quite a fan of a hat at a wedding, although I sort of feel the moment has passed back in the day when we used to go to those weddings we always wore hats now I don't really bother Tori you're nodding I feel the weddings I've been to this year the only people wearing hats are the kind of mums and older generations I feel no young person wears a hat anymore mm-hmm. I like the idea of it and I wish I could find I'd kind of pay someone to do it for me and make me look amazing but I think you can get it very wrong mm. my mum loves a hat it's also expensive although yeah. we did write a piece showing what great hats you could get at House of Fraser they have lots of good options good affordable options but yeah it's just kind of that money it's another thing to buy isn't it that you're going to wear however mm. often also like I think that Kate Middleton looked incredible in that hat at Louis christening but apart from that one hat that was pretty much a hairband anyway no outfit looks better with a hat oh I disagree like, no one no, like too. who which outfit name when they one stand time. on the balcony at Buckingham Palace but like watching name, Trooping like, of the Colour but like which hat though Camilla all of them they all look better yeah. in hats Sophie oh, Sophie Rhys-Jones whatever her name is Wessex. Wessex 
They all look better than a hat. I totally disagree. Okay, well, even if you... I don't agree, I think the royals, I, the royals are the caveat. Right. And actually, I don't think you're going to win the point by saying the royals <laughs> would look better without a hat. Because all we'd ever see them in is a coat. But then I mean, that would be mm. so boring. But then let's reserve it for the royals then. Because sure, if you can have like Stephen Jones create a hat for you, then great, lovely. Obviously, you're going to look fabulous in it. But like the rest of us, I just think, can do a lot better without. Rosie? I like black hats. And that's it. As in, like, I think it can look really, really cool with certain outfits if you go for that, like, Italian, like, Dolce Vita glamour. Mm. But the pastels, the, like, feathers, the fascinators, I just think it's going to be sick. Mm. So where do you stand on a boater or a... Yeah, boaters are cool. Okay. Yeah, but maybe, but still not for, like, an event. Probably So when is a hat acceptable, Charlotte? Like, on the beach. Or, like, I like a fedora. Like, if you're going for lunch, but that's it. What would no you do if you had to hat. go to Ascot? Do you have to wear a hat there? Yeah. <gasps> I don't, what know. Was I don't know what I would do. What what about what about don't you anyone invite Charlotte to the royal enclosure? <laughs> yeah. What about baseball caps? I've seen lots of girls wearing them this summer. They are trying to be Victoria Beckham at Soul Cycle. There is nothing sartorially acceptable okay. about that. Okay, noted, noted. Okay, <laughs> there you have it. I think we'll leave it there. <laughs> That's all we've got time for this week. If you enjoyed that, then do please rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>